Hi everyone, welcome back to But What Will People Say? I'm your host, Disha Mystery Mazeppa. We are on what feels like week 5,000 of quarantine. Hopefully you guys are all staying safe and sane and hopefully doing some things that bring you joy in a time that is really strange and I'm not really sure what to make of it and my mood regarding it changes probably every hour. Um, but enough about that. This podcast has definitely been giving me some purpose for the past few weeks so thanks so much for all of the guests who have been recording with me and taking the time to talk to me and share their stories um i'm going to try my best to connect you guys as listeners to our to my former guests via instagram Um, my plan is to try to do an instagram live either once a week or once every other week with some of my former guests so that you guys can ask them questions and you can ask me questions and kind of build more of a community around this podcast so if you don't already follow me on instagram you can find me at dishes by dishes that's my creative space um and that is where i will be hosting the instagram lives when those do start rolling out um as always you can find us on all major streaming platforms google podcast apple podcast stitcher spotify all that good stuff so if anyone ever asks where they can listen just tell them to look up any major streaming platform and if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show you can email bwwpspodcast at gmail.com and without further ado our guest this week is ananya she is really sweet she's representing the lgbtq community and she was also born and raised in india before coming to the states as an adult to pursue her career so it was really interesting to have the insight of someone not just from the U.S. and her experience being, you know, raised in India, which for me as a kid who grew up pretty much in New Jersey is such a foreign concept. Um, so she talks us, talks us through her journey, her experience with her relationship with her partner um, and also just managing all these different cultural expectations So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was a really insightful conversation. And without further ado, here we go. So hi, everyone. We're here with Ananya, and she's going to introduce herself. Hey, everyone. I'm Ananya. Um, I am a Tamilian. My dad was in the Indian Navy, and I moved to the U.S. for my master's. I am in a relationship with my white midwestern girlfriend nora um and we've been together for about a year and a half now that's awesome so how long you said you've been in the u.s for about a year and a half yeah i've been in the u.s for um since or you've been in a relationship yeah been in a relationship (laughs) for a year and a half and i've been in the u.s for like three years so far awesome and how old are you i am uh 26 going on 27 awesome yeah so what's it been like living in the U.S. it's been a really interesting experience so my master's I actually um it was one year in Australia and one year in the U.S. um so it was like so I had my first jump from like moving to India to another country when I went to Australia um and that was like a little bit of a learning curve um in terms of like in India everything has a maximum retail price which means like if you go to a small convenience store versus going to a big supermarket, everything will be the same price no matter what because it's marked on 
the back of the packet or whatever it is. Oh, wow. Yeah. But then I didn't realize that that wasn't the case everywhere else. So like I would go to the convenience store and I would buy like milk every day and be like, this is so freaking expensive. (laughs) Yeah. And you can get it cheaper at like the grocery store or something. Yeah. And then I didn't realize that until I went to the grocery store. I was like, oh, this is why people go here and don't buy everything at the convenience store. Yeah. So it was a bit of a learning curve, but um, it's been really fun. So moving from Australia to the U.S. wasn't that different um, in terms of like lifestyle. Uh, the only difference that I've had to get used to is I had to learn to drive when I uh, moved to Texas because no good public transit. So, yeah. Yeah, I see. I live in New Jersey where like New York and New Jersey, like there's so much mass transit Mm -hmm. that like in New York, people don't have licenses. Yeah, they like they don't know how to drive at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was kind of like that because also it's pretty difficult to drive in India just with all of chaos there. So, um, yeah, when I learned to drive here, it was like, okay, well, this isn't that bad. But yeah, never drive back home. (laughs) That's awesome. That's kind of funny, actually. Um, so how did you meet Nora? Um, so we actually met through work. Um, and we were both working on the same project. We had, we talked a little bit and um, we became fast friends, like pretty immediately after we started talking. And um there happened to be like a work happy hour and the alcohol was flowing and stuff happened. <laughs> and that was pretty much it. And then the next day we're like, oh, okay, so I guess this is a thing. <laughs> All right, that works. Yeah. So um how and you guys have been dating for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Right. And what do you do? Where like you guys said you work together? Yeah, we work together. Um, now she's in a different part of the company than I am. So it's like not uh, not quite so much like office romance um, as it was earlier. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And so tell us a little bit about your relationship. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so it's been an interesting journey just because um, so when we met, so Nora transitioned about the same time as we got together like she'd been on hormones for a couple of months then but wasn't out to everyone at work Um, and it was like once we started talking um you know she let me know before she let a lot of like nearly everyone else in the office know that um she was trans and at that time, she was with her long-term girlfriend, and they were working through. So a lot of our early conversations were about, like, how it's been difficult for her as she's, like, working through that stuff with her girlfriend, who was supportive, but at the same time, you know, it's just like, I'm straight, like, I can't be with you um, mm-hmm. when you're a woman. So they were working through that stuff and it was a painful like transitionary period of time um at the point that we got together um and I was also kind of struggling with my identity um like I I knew that I was queer but you know I think like everyone else like I don't want to let my parents down I didn't want to let my family down um 
like the year before we got together, um, I I had just moved to Austin and I had, um, you know, I was on Tinder and I was like, okay, um, looking for men and women. And I, and one of my friend's cousins, who's like from the same community as I am, um, went to the same school. I was like, okay, so if this works out, if it works out with this guy, then I'll never have to tell anyone anything and it will be easy. Mm-hmm. But it was like, I so badly wanted it to work. And I was putting in all of this like time and energy and effort into the relationship because it was like, God, I just do not want to have to explain myself. But there wasn't like any actual feeling there, you know, and I think like told my parents about it. That was the first relationship I actually told my parents about because, you know, you don't really discuss that stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, like, let me tell my parents about it. That'll make it real. That will mean that I don't have to explain myself. But um, yeah, it didn't work out. And I quickly came to realize that, you know, no matter what I do, I just, it wouldn't be like, the idea of having that relationship meant more to me than the actual relationship. And that's not an honest way to live your life. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I, um, so every year I go back to India in December, um, and we broke up, uh, this guy and I broke up just before I went to India that year. And as soon as I came back, I was like, okay, this is going to be a fresh start. I'm just going to start being honest with myself about what I want and um, and just like who I want to be with. So I got involved with the um, Desi queer community in Austin. And that really helped me like come into my identity, I think, especially seeing people who were struggling with the same things um, and who were able to support me for who I was, it meant a lot. So by the time that I think I met Nora, I had done a lot of self-growth already and I think I was able to be a better supportive person. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And then when did you decide it was like time to tell your family or come out to them, I guess? Um, I hadn't come out to my family just because I didn't want to do it until I knew that it was real. Okay. Like I, I had something very concrete with someone, which isn't, you know, some people decide to do that. Some people want to tell their family before that and just be honest about what they expect out of life. Um, this was also around the time that my family was really pressurizing me to get married because, you yeah, know, it's about yeah. that, about that age. Exactly. Yeah. They're like, yeah, don't worry. Like, we'll just, you know, we're not going to force you to do anything, but they're going to start looking for someone. Yeah. Yeah. We just want to start looking. We'll just put you in touch. And like having to have those conversations with my family and I would talk to, I talk to my parents almost every day. So having to lie about what I was doing just started becoming too much. Mm-hmm. um but at the or same like, time like I, avoiding those questions yeah and it feels really fresh now and it doesn't seem as scary but at the time I was just totally freaked out I had no idea how anyone would react um mm-hmm. I came out to my brother first he is he's in Seattle and he had just moved to Seattle um for a job so 
I I have a pretty good relationship with my brother, but he's still it's not like we're friends. You know, he's always a brother. Yeah, it's a very like familial relationship. And we hadn't ever talked about um dating or any of that stuff before. You know, because I was like, okay, I'm the elder sister. I have to protect him and Yeah. Yeah. So um, how did he take it? He was like, first he was like, Oh, are you sure? And I was like, Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, so it's, it's an interesting question to ask someone. Yeah. Are you sure? Like, it's like, are you sure about this? And like, yeah, dude, like, I've done a lot. I was like crying on the phone when I called him. Right? So it's like, I have to tell you something on your own that's really important to get this off. And I was like crying. And then he was trying to comfort me. He was like, okay, don't worry. Like, we'll figure it out. But don't worry, I'll support you. So it was it was really refreshing to hear that. And um, I have an uncle and aunt who are also in Austin. And I had told my aunt before this, but then she saw me date a man. So she was like confused, but was like, also, okay. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, listen, I got to tell you, like, I'm in a relationship. I have a girlfriend. I'm really serious about her. Um, and they were they were supportive but they were also like I don't want to know too much because I don't want to have to lie to your parents okay you know and I think like I needed my brother's support to have them meet Nora and like have her over for dinner and have a conversation with her because I wanted them to see us together yeah it makes it real you can't brush it under the rug exactly yeah, and I wanted them to, like, know who she was because I had decided to tell my parents that year when I went to India, like, we had we we had this whole thing planned, right? I was like, okay, I told my brother, I'm going to tell my aunt and uncle, I'm going to have them meet Nora, and then they'll be supportive. Then they, when I come out to my parents, they will be able to offer support to my parents who probably won't have anyone else to talk to about this. You know, I won't know how to grapple with this situation. And so I had this whole plan laid out and I was going to India for a month. So I was like, I'm going to break it to them like two weeks into the trip so that um, I'll have like two weeks to deal with all of the questions. But also if things go really sideways, then I can just like take a flight. I'm out testing. Yeah. Yes. Like, so like not we too had much time to simmer. Yeah, we had all of this planned out. Um, my brother was also coming back around the same time, so I knew that he would be there. Um, and he was trying to, like, he was trying to be protective, but also didn't really know how. So he would, and he's not a very subtle person. So he would, like, call my mom and be like, oh, uh, hey, Amma, listen, uh, you know, I think that uh, one of our cousins is bi. <laughs> <laughs> let's see how they react to the word yeah. first and then yeah. he would call me he'd be like no I'm always like I don't understand what all this nonsense is be like dude first of all like why do you have to out a cousin who is in high school at this point oh so he wasn't just like making it up to just use the word bi like you actually have a cousin that's bi mm-hmm. oh, yeah okay. like which he only found out through like seeing stuff on Instagram right so it's like god like don't do that like she still has to live with her parents and 
Do, yeah, do. and it's not your decision to ha- yeah. come out for her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, oh, but I don't know. Like, I just wanted to test out the waters for you. I was just trying to make sure that it was okay. Um, and I don't know if they're ready for it. I'm really nervous about it. Are you sure you want to tell them? Like, how are they going to take it? How will we tell the rest of the family? And he was like freaking out so much more than I was. You know, he's like, oh, I don't know if you've thought about this. It's like, dude, it's my life. You know, I have, I've given it a lot of thought. And, yeah. and like you decided like it is now time like we're doing this no matter what happens kind of thing exactly yeah it's like yeah. okay I didn't know exactly how I was going to say it but you know but like you were gonna say it but I was gonna say it yeah um, yeah so so I went back home it's like early January Nora and I had been together for about six months at that point and I um I was just back home. It was just my mom and me because um, my dad was also traveling and he was going to be back in a couple of days. And then my brother would come a couple of days after that. So the first night that I'm back home, um, yeah, we're just kind of hanging out. I'm on my phone and in the hall and my mom, she's like doing stuff, but I sense this like tension in the air. And she she looks over at me and she's like so I know I heard that uh I heard that your cousin is bi or something you know anything about that (laughs) it's like uh um no but uh but I have something to tell you that's a segue. <laughs> yeah. Because it was like, it was just like building up inside of me, you know, like, yeah. all, like tension and all these thoughts. And it was like, I don't know how to deal with this conversation. Um, so, yeah, then I started crying when I was telling her and she was like, OK, like, first of all, you don't cry. I should be with the one crying. So you don't cry. It's like, OK. Um then she's like, okay, who is it? It's like, what do you mean? Like, I just told her that I like girls. I didn't tell her anything else. She's like, no, who is it? So I told her, yeah, like, I'm seeing someone, and uh, she's someone I met through work. Her name is Nora. And she'd, she'd heard me talk about Nora before because I would just be like, oh, like, I'm going to a friend's house and things like that. Um, so she's like, okay, show me photos. <laughs> Well, at least she wanted to make it real. Yeah. And she I was wasn't like, just like, uh, okay. It was like, why do you want to see photos? Because, you know, I think for a little bit, I was like, I was ready to tell my mom that I was gay, but it's a whole other story to have to explain to your parents that your partner is trans. Right. You know? So when I was like, okay. And then I showed her some photos. She was like, it's like, yeah, I just want to see photos so that um, I can tell whether it's real or not. It's like, how are you going to tell that by photos that we take together? Because so maybe but, she thinks it's a phase. Like, oh, she's just yeah. like being, you know, whatever. And like, I think my mom just has this tendency to like move very quickly in her head. You know, she's like, okay, one thing, like go to the next thing. She just like jumps through yeah. all of these things. So yeah, so she saw a photo. She was like, okay, fine. Um, she wanted me to explain like 
how long had it been? And the one thing was, so she never said that it wasn't natural or anything like that. Mm-hmm. She was, she was very clear that there was nothing amoral or weird about what I was doing, which That's for good. me was like so validating. And yeah. yeah, I think it was kind of incredible for her to have that point of view. Um, I think some of it had to do with the fact that like I had been trying to educate my parents like for a long time before that um yeah I would yeah I'd send them videos we'd like talk about it so like the fact that we had ongoing conversations really helped I think yeah. that when finally did come out to her it wasn't a new concept because we had discussed it that's awesome that you guys were able to even bring up the topic and I think it is a reflection of how far LGBTQ has come in India like even though it does have a long way to go at least now like everyone is like acknowledging that like it's you know it's okay like this is a thing there's nothing like your mom said like immoral or unnatural about it um yeah and I I don't know if that's like I always feel like it's kind of you know as young people, we know a lot more about the world now than our parents in some ways will, you know? Yeah. And we grew up with the internet. Exactly. We, we've been exposed to everything, even like not just what's within our bubble. Exactly. And I also feel like to an extent, there's a little bit of learning that happens at every age, right? Like there's always been like a major shift in... um in like progress socially that's been made in a lot of the decades past. And if we want that progress to sustain itself, we need to talk to our parents about it. Like we need to involve them in the conversations. Yeah. And they can handle it. Yeah. Like we think they can't handle it. We think they're just going to have a meltdown. They're going to like not know what to do. And maybe they will have a meltdown and maybe they won't know what to do, but they will handle it whichever way they do and no matter how they handle it is not really your problem as far as I kind of see it like them having like an emotional meltdown over whether the fact that you're gay or like me bringing home someone who's not Indian like however you want to handle it is your choice yeah you know like if you want to have a meltdown that's your choice yeah or you can have a conversation exactly and I feel like you need to start those conversations when you're young. Like you need to get them to start thinking just as critically mm-hmm. as you do. And I feel like that was important. So I think like having that base kind of covered, she was she was able to at least deal with it, even though there was, of course, like a lot of like, I don't know how the family's gonna take it. Um, how will we tell people? And why did you allow me to spend so much time making your uh, Shadi profile? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like, was, like you weren't yeah. ready to come out. So we let mom yeah. and dad do what they were going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you uh, think yeah. she knew? I, like, I feel like a lot of parents like already know, but they just like don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think she kind of 
already had an idea or that maybe you making those conversations happen early on already planted that like I guess seed I think to an extent she did know like I had got the sense that she had some idea what was about to come and even when I yeah like I knew it would be something like this because and so when um when 377 got decriminalized, um, it happened on my birthday. Oh, that's awesome. Which is like an amazing birthday gift. And that was also the day that I decided to call my brother and tell him because I was like, this is it. You know, like, this is yeah, a sign. That must be so cathartic. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. So and that was the day that we kind of, that we started to have that discussion and my brother shared a bunch of like coming out stories from his batch and um like we had a discussion and then i saw my mom like posting things about um all of the internet things that came out around that time you know where it was like yeah like um queer sex was more criminalized when the British came to India, like colonization has shaped our view of mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. Yeah. And like she was sharing all this stuff. So I was like, does she know? Like, is that why she's sharing it? Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, if she is sharing it, then like, you know, she's like open to that whole discussion. Cause like yeah. you're putting it on Facebook and like in a community, we're so worried about what people think. It's like, if your parents post that on Facebook, all of their friends already see it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's kind of weird because my parents are like very traditional. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're pretty conservative. Um, my mom like does puja every day. Mm-hmm. Like, they're were you raised Hindu? I was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's funny because Hinduism, like worships like trans people like we have we have mandirs for that yeah and so I I always found that ironic I know right it's it's really interesting um and I will recommend like there is this book that's called uh Shikhandi it's by Devdat Patnayak and it explores a lot of that like a lot of the um queer symbolism and stories from Hindu epics. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's like an interesting book to read about all that stuff. But okay, so going off, we went off on a tangent a little bit, but coming back to my parents, yeah. So that night she was just like, okay, fine. And we kind of, um, you know, we went our separate ways. And in the middle of the night, she like knocks on my door and she's like, okay, just come sleep next to me. Yeah. and yeah but she was like my mom was very clear that she wanted me to tell my dad immediately and my dad is kind of a wild card like I didn't know which way he would go just because he's he's really gentle but also he's much more quiet so I don't know what his thoughts are on a lot of things whereas my mom and I like we've always butted heads we've always argued about things so I knew where she was right um yeah, but the next day, like, my dad got back, and I'd gone to the gym or something, and I come back in the evening, and she's, like, sitting there with my dad, and my mom is like, okay, so, uh, Ania, don't you have to tell Appa something? 
And my dad, God bless him, was just like, what happened? What happened? And, you know, being still a very, like, regular Hindu, upper caste Indian man was just like, Muslim. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) It's like, okay, let's unpack that later. But uh, no, (laughs) not that. (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole other literally suitcase you can unpack on another day yeah it's like okay um so good news no um but on the other hand like so here's the deal and he was just silent like he was just sitting there he was like like just thinking you know um and my mom was like okay like you have to say something come on like yeah you say can't it. just quietly sit yeah. there. Don't be quiet. Say something. Say something. Like she's 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 very aggressive. This woman. <laughs> so <laughs> just all Indian moms. As much yeah. as we're raised in the world where like the women are supposed to like quietly mind their own business, none of them do. They're no. so they will drag it out of you. Yeah. No. 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 They are not used to sitting quietly, and they will make sure that you say something. Yeah. So. She kind of forced my dad to express his thoughts and he was, he was just like, okay, but what do we do now? Yeah, like (laughs) nothing. You just, we just needed you to know. It's like, what, what should I do now? And how will we tell people? And is it safe for you? Are you going to be safe? Yeah. that's, like, a, that's a yeah. Yeah, that's a genuine question because some parts of the world still aren't really there yet. I think it is, and I. But at the same time, I'm like, I understand your concern, but it's going to be okay. You know, like mm-hmm. you just need that support system, and it's going to be okay. So. So yeah, um, came out to my parents. They, my mom especially, when she found out that my brother knew, was just like, why did you tell me? <laughs> like, because he's a good Because <laughs> yeah. he's a good sibling. Um, and then, f- ironically enough, um, the next day we had all planned to go on, like, a spiritual retreat. Which was an interesting experience. So, like, I come out to my parents, and then we go to the spiritual retreat for one week. Um, we were learning about the Vedas and all that stuff. Um, And even during the retreat, it was like, so my brother's joke was um, that because of the two of us, because of my brother and myself, the average age in the retreat was 55. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So it was mostly just like all older adults. <laughs> all older adults. So we're very impressed with the two of us for coming along for this. It's like, okay, fine. Um, but funnily enough, one of the, you know, we were having like a dialogue and like women on whether they were allowed to even study the way that and stuff like that. And then someone was like, so he's asking the Swamiji's like, um, what about, what about trans people? Can they study the Vedas? And I was like, that's a funny thing to come up at this point. 
like okay but thank you uncle for asking it and this swamiji was like yeah like according to me everyone can study the vedas and um, you know like gave a nice speech about it which was i think really refreshing as a queer person because and i also knew that i had to have that conversation with my parents at some point later um and so there was like that moment of catharsis and they also had like these planned talks um that the swamiji had given at various points and one of the talks was about acceptance of um queer people in society awesome. and whether that's natural yeah and so we're sitting there and i think like my mom is watching this talk and she just starts crying because i think that it was so important for her to have that validation mm-hmm. to hear from someone like within our culture and religion exactly. especially to say it's okay exactly and yeah she was just like she she was crying the entire time and she went out and she thanked the swamiji for saying that stuff and i think that really helped like because she was still struggling with it you know it, it was still yeah. so bad for her that um but that moment was really important where well i had already got the validation that i needed from my family but for her to have it too it made a big difference yeah cuz like we grew up in a culture especially in india where there isn't really any separation from like church and state like religion very much is like the way of life and the law and just like you know that's really how in india they enforced a lot of things it was like well religion says this so we do that and so yeah. like they put a lot of like credit to anything that is said by like a swamiji or a guruji or like you know i think there is definitely like a lot of uh yeah i would say like it's it's interesting because there are just so many religions in india and like mm-hmm. cultures that when you're there you're just immersed in everything but definitely like within the community to have someone you respect because you can choose anyone right right it's like even even if you're hindu everyone practices in a different way yeah there's there's so there, many sects yeah there are so many sects there's just like so many ways in which you can do it but but within that it's a whole other um it's a whole other organism within that and to have someone from with from the group say that you're okay makes a big difference for sure Yeah, it really validates a lot of things cuz that's usually the argument against a lot of things, right? Like a lot of people who are vegetarian or aren't vegetarian or choose to eat beef or pork, the automatic answer from our parents is always religion. Cuz yeah. our religion says you don't, you know, you don't eat chicken or yeah. like in my family we do. And but depending on who you ask, they'll say, "Well, our religion says you can't." And then yeah. other people will say like there's nothing in our religion that says it matters. Mm-hmm. And so yeah it it holds a lot of ground when someone within your community can validate what's happening yeah. in your own life. Yeah so basically that was like it was kind of amazing how that all turned out um and I was video calling Noral most every day about this and so we were like talking about how it went and everything. 
Awesome. And you brought, you actually brought Nora to meet your family in India. Yeah. It's not even been a month yet. <laughs> it's like, an so it's very recent. It was very recent. Yeah. Um, we just came back uh, from India on the 1st of uh, Jan. So, so very, very recent. Um, it was also Nora's first trip abroad, like getting, going out of the U.S., Okay. And it was her idea, um, which I was like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, I'm I'm worried for you. It's a big culture <laughs> shock. It is, yeah. Um, and, but, you know, she was very bullish that she wanted to go. And my, um, like, my parents had talked to her on the phone before that. Um, so they were already like they already had kind of got along and um, you know to an extent I did want to show her my world and you know what it meant to me because there are things that are just so different in the way that we view the world that I thought that it would be a really valuable experience um so so we planned out the trip um we were gone for three weeks um nora was not as nervous as i was or my family was (laughs) were they were they more worried about her adjusting to like indian culture or more worried about how like society was kind of like really see like you two together um i think both uh I was really worried because I had always experienced, like, I'm the majority in India. So, you know, for a moment, it struck me. I was like, I have no idea what it, what it means to be a minority in my country. Right. Like, yeah. I don't have a conception of, of what it would be like. And, you know, she's, she's really tall. She's a white woman. Um people in India stare without abandon and yeah it was like they uh, stare at me and I'm Indian (laughs) yeah yeah no it's just like you just gotta get used to it and I had just never interacted with my world in that way so I didn't know what to expect or like what to tell her to watch out for because some of those things I wouldn't even be aware of you know right um and with my parents too is like they had a lot of other worries um they were like are the lights in the hall going to be too long for her will she hit her head against everything (laughs) it's so like all the random little things yeah it's like oh that's she's like and then my dad too like especially like a week before we went on the trip he's like don't worry i have everything set so i've bought like cereal i've bought pancake mix it's like I don't even eat, like, I haven't had pancakes in the last two months. He, like, went on Google and was, like, American food <laughs> yeah, and found just like, all of it. Yeah, it's like, no, 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 it's like, what do you mean you haven't had pancakes in two months? I've seen movies, like, y'all. You guys American eat pancakes. pancakes. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Like, I love American stereotypes. They're so yeah. good. <laughs> it's like, okay, but, um. And I was like, you know, she like eats a lot of Indian food. She can handle more spicy food than I can. What 
there's nothing to be worried about on the food front. Um, the only thing we did like watch out for was making sure that because the water is the biggest mm-hmm. problem. And so we got like a bottle that could filter everything out so she wouldn't have to worry about the water at hotels or anything like that. But other than that, we just like went, you know, and it was um, it was really interesting. Like she adjusted pretty fast. Um, there was no. Uh, I. So my mom, as soon as she met her, she's like, where? How did you find this girl? <laughs> she was just like. She's like walk into every room, totally not worried about like, you know, any of those. Like I would have reservations about going to a new place. It'd be like I don't know how to deal here. I don't know how to talk to people. Blah mm-hmm. blah blah. She was just like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, like that almost like lack of hesitation. Yeah, yeah, absolute like lack of hesitation to go anywhere or to try anything new and I think that open-mindedness is really important when you're visiting India and just understanding that it's not like you're not going to have the same experience like all of the things that you come to expect in the U.S. you can expect none of them in India especially when it comes to -to day-to-day stuff where it's like you know, crossing the road and um, just moving around where you get groceries, all of that stuff is very different. Um, it's the yeah. small, the small details that make it different. Um, yeah. yeah, but like yeah. within like three days, she, she just like got up she, and I'm a very lazy person, so I don't want to leave the house, but she just got up. She's like, okay, I'm going to go to the tailor to get this stuff altered. I was like, <laughs> Good luck. It's like okay. Yeah. Yeah, to say like, oh, I want to go get alterations done is the most Indian thing ever. It is. Like, oh, I bought some clothes. Like, we need to get them hemmed. Yeah, exactly. It's like okay. And then she just went and came back and she did it. And my parents were like, okay, fine. You know, that's it. We're not gonna be worried for her anymore because obviously. Yeah, she's she's doing fine. Yeah. She's yeah. doing great. I know. Um, it always takes our parents like a while to understand that like it's it's not that hard to like just do stuff because it's different. Because like Michael, when I brought him over, like that same like complete lack of hesitation. Like he just like yeah. wanders around, like walks right in the house, like does whatever, you know, well, eats eat whatever my mom makes, like has no like even with the like we had a Hindu wedding ceremony and like did the barat, did the ceremony, no, like, issues at all. Yeah. And they're like, wow. Like, he just, like, took that in stride. And I'm like, yeah, yeah like, <laughs> yeah. Like, they, I mean, they're, like, very surprised. People. Yeah. yeah. Like, we didn't just, like, find them out of nowhere and, like, decide to be with someone who wouldn't be able to take another culture in stride. Exactly, yeah. And I think that's the important part where it's, like, um, like, I chose her, she has spent, and we both love each other, and we spent a lot of time getting to understand each other's perspectives and each other's cultures, you know, like. Yeah, and like, we, like, being in at least America, like, it's, like, ingrained in you that, like, you have to be 
open and accepting to other cultures. Like to be American is to be this level of accepting and open-minded and willing to learn from people you don't understand. Yeah. You know, and like, obviously like people still struggle with it at times, but they still try. It may be awkward. It may not be graceful. It may not be politically correct, but they still try. And that's the difference. Yeah. 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 So it was, um, it was a really good trip and about halfway through the trip, I, so, so at this point I hadn't had the trans conversation with my parents at all. Um, so about halfway through the trip, we, we had talked about it and I was like, I don't want to do it this time, but you know, once they get to meet you and I'm sure they're going to love you, but once they get to meet you and really know who you are as a person, then we can bring that topic up. Um, and everyone was getting along and everything, but one day I just like, we had gone on a trip to Kerala, um, my parents and brother had taken like one suite and Nora and I were in the other suite. So I, I got dressed, like I went over to their suite and as I enter, my mom was like, okay, let me comb your hair. I was like, no, I'm not going to let you comb your hair. She's like, you hide so many things from me and you won't even let me comb your hair. Mm. Like, okay. It's like, what are you talking about? Like I kind of, you know, I had that, that gut feeling that they knew. Um, And so, you know, most Desi mom way ever of getting you to do anything is like to take a small banal thing and turn it into like an emotional roller coaster. Like, oh, let me comb your hair. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so she's combing my hair and she's like, why did you keep this hidden from us for so long that Nora was trans? She's like, why? And so like, and also like, why this? You know, like we've been accepting. We've been nothing but supportive. And now it's like one bomb after the other. Yeah. That letting loose. And it's a difficult conversation to have because I, I still think that it, it was definitely the right decision um, because people have so many hangups and so many um, stereotypes associated with trans people that even before meeting anyone, they've already constructed an image of what they believe this person will be and what this person would look like. Um, so and and it was also not my decision because at the end of the day, to Nora, it's it's not her, her whole personality. This is just a part of who she is. And that's yeah, the way that she another, feels about it. Yeah. yeah. It's just and another diff- part of her. And different people have different experiences with that. But this was her truth. And I don't want to be the person to tell them about this because I felt like it was her decision to do that when she felt comfortable with it. And I had to respect that. Um and that's basically what I told my mom as well. And I was like, okay, fine, but don't bring it up. Like, we'll talk about it when we get back to Bangalore. Like, I don't want to talk about it on this so trip. How did she find out? Um, so the way she found out was we had talked about Nora's mom and had 
told my mom Nora's mom's name. And my mom is very skilled with using Facebook. And so looked up Nora's mom, whose Facebook profile hasn't changed since basically the time that Nora came out to her. And is still like her with with her three boys, uh, you know, circa 2016. Okay, so this was pre-transition. Yeah. So she saw the picture of Nora before. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. And basically, I think that's how my parents found out. It wasn't. It wasn't like it a was, discussion. They just found yeah, out. Yeah, they just found out. And and I think that because at this point, we'd already spent like a week together and we had been spending a lot of time together. They already knew who she is. And so for now, for them to to add this to who Nora was as a person, I think was a lot easier because they could see us together. They saw that we were really happy and like they both really liked her. So mm-hmm. I think then putting that that piece of it together for them was much easier. And I think my mom got it too after a while. She was like, yeah, like if you had told me before, I would have like, I wouldn't have been able to handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like having Nora already there left no room for making up an idea in their head of what trans means or what that could be or whatever misconception they had. Yeah. And instead, like they just met Nora as like a person and she was your girlfriend and that's it. Yeah, and exactly. even and finding out that she was trans really didn't change anything in that sense. Yeah, and it, and actually, it did bring all of us together a lot more because I had told them about how cold uh, Nora's family was being about it, and to an extent, they were confused. They're like, "Oh, why isn't she invited back for the holidays? Like, why aren't they trying to have a relationship with her? It doesn't make sense." But now knowing this, they kind of understood on a deeper level, like why her parents were behaving in the shitty way that they were behaving. Yeah. So she had explained to them, I guess, yeah, you guys went over Christmas break that she was spending the holidays with you guys and not with her family. Yeah. Um, but also like I had, I had told my mom about the fact that her parents weren't being supportive at all. And to my mom that was surprising she's like what is it that you know like why don't they even want to see her Mm -hmm. like I don't understand that and so for her to know this made more sense in her head because you know that's a whole other level of acceptance Um, yeah because then your parents just thought they were unaccepting of her queerness yeah and not the fact that she's trans yeah got it that's that's so interesting because I feel like like Indian parents like my parents like think like as Americans like oh like Americans have all these other values right and like are much more quote-unquote open-minded like my mom will just be like they just like everything like they don't they I don't know like they kind of don't grasp that like American people or like quote-unquote white people can also have struck like struggle to understand things that they maybe don't grasp yeah like you know an lgbtq like family member yeah yeah for sure and and the thing is it is difficult for everybody um it's a thing that's stigmatized in 
most cultures across the world. And at the end of the day, it's really important that, you know, that you have actual values that are holding you together as a family. Because a lot of the times those values, like whether you're in a suburban white family or in a very conservative Desi family, sometimes all that value is, is what your podcast is, you know, it's like, what will people say? That's the only thing that that's holding people together. That's why people stay in bad relationships, don't get a divorce. Yeah, because people aren't having the hard conversations or like forcing like an uncomfortable discussion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they like trap themselves in a way. Like I feel like our community has really outdone themselves with like n- like almost like nailing themselves into a box because they're so worried about what other people will say or think about them. Yeah. And it's like you did this to yourself. So the only way to get out of this box now is to talk about it. Talk about all of it. Yeah. You know, and just put it out there. And like, you know, that was a big part of why this podcast got started. Because a little part of me, as un- as uncomfortable as I am with the idea of it, is forcing our parents to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Like, in my head, like, for people like millennials and Gen Z to listen, it's to find support. But for our parents' generation to listen to it, it's to find that, like, you can have this discussion and it doesn't have to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And even if it isn't uncomfortable, it's still an important discussion to have. So yeah, exactly. Like forcing them to hear it and that these discussions are happening and like, it's, it's okay. And it's going to be okay. And people are going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. And I feel like too, and that was one of the things that I noticed when I moved from, uh, from India to the U S is like, a lot of the Desi families that have settled here have this idea of India that stuck at the time that they immigrated, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, and it's like there, which makes sense because I feel like there's a strong need to hold on to your culture and your culture the way that you knew it. Yeah, but the culture is something that changes. It's not like a stagnant being. So when when they go back and they were like, oh, it's changed so much. And it's like, that's the way that we grow as a society. That's the way that we progress. Yeah, Yeah, they've romanticized the idea of what India used to be. Yeah. And they think that's what it still is. And my parents are only very recently coming to terms with the fact that it's not. Yeah. Like realizing like India and their sense of quote unquote home is not the same anymore. Yeah, it's like the way that it was and the way 20 years ago and we're having the same conversations across the world, you know, and everyone moves. Every place is moving at a different pace, but there's still movement. And I think it's it's difficult, you know, in all of the societies that I see because it's all people that immigrated together at the same time that are holding on to those values are really enforcing those same ideas, um, but like not moving forward in the same way that the conversations are happening back home in India yeah the like that generation that came all in like the 80s and the 90s Mm -hmm. those families very much think that India is the same as when they left it in the 80s and yeah they even like sometimes like my parents like really like with the whole like LGBTQ thing like they are still very like conservative very like they see about it and I'm like I feel like that's changing like that's not true that like they decriminalized 
you know, homosexuality. And I'm like, they're making progress and you make it seem like Indian people will never accept the LGBTQ community. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's funny because like I just watched the news and like like clearly a lot of people agreed to pass that law. It's not like it just like fell out of the sky. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Where it's like, I still think that the conversations are mostly happening in urban places. And yeah, yeah the rural areas have a long way to go. Yeah. And there is a lot of work to be done. And like, the way that India is, is like everything is a very close knit network, right? Like word spreads through the network, everyone lives like really close by to one another. And so this like gossip mill keeps running. Um, And that doesn't, and what that does is in a way it, it provides a solution to a lot of like Western problems, like being lonely and all of that stuff. Because when you have this very tight knit network, you always have someone to lean on. But at the same time, it does, enforce like strong normativity across because anything that's like a little bit different than that becomes fodder for this gossip machine yeah like the aunties are sitting in the corner and they're just fueled by it yeah yeah it's like a small difference gets turned into something bigger than it is so while the progress is happening and you know there are people who are who are resisting against this who are fighting for rights and are expressing their difference, which I think is really important because one of the things that I feel like I've heard a lot is like, it's fine that you're gay, but why do you have to tell everybody? <laughs> like, you know, like, do I think, you know, it's okay, but just like, don't get any tattoos or any of that weird stuff, you know? Like, don't like, don't like wear it like a badge or something. Yeah, yeah. I think like the expression of individuality um is only just starting to take off in India yeah but I that's very true like being celebrating like you said our differences and the things that make us unique because when you come from such a community-based culture it's all about being the same right like we dress the same we practice religion the same we eat the same foods Mm -hmm. and everyone has to be similar or you know you're kind of rocking the boat right yeah but now we're kind of forcing like, no, we can still be different, but together. Getting back to something you mentioned to me earlier when we were chatting was about how your idea of home and what home is. Um, because you have, you know, traveled and now you live in Austin and with like your partner, Nora. And what kind of happens next in terms of that? Yeah, and I feel like because I moved so much when I was a child, because um, my dad was in the Indian Navy, um, so we were constantly moving every two years. We had a new home base, and you know I had to like adapt everything again to get to that new place. You know, like I became very good at code switching, but when I got my first job out of undergrad, um, I moved to Bangor. And for me, that was the first time being able to 
completely settle into a place and have that be a place that I had settled down, you know, like a place that I had made a home for myself without the whole family moving and everything. So when I decided to do my master's, I always thought that I would go back to Bangalore. Like this is going to be um, like, I think I've chosen this as my home base. And that was something that I was, I really wanted to do just emotionally you know I had attached myself to the city and I was like okay I'm gonna work for a few years um get an experience you know have like this global experience and then come back and make a change in in my country and in the city that I've chosen but life doesn't always work out that way um and Nora and I got together and she is a musician. She wants to explore that. And you know, she's found a place to do that and people to do that with in Austin. So we've had a lot of like difficult discussions about what she wants out of life. Like she's much more intent and much more comfortable with staying in one place for more than five years. And I feel like I get antsy, you know, every couple mm-hmm. of years I'm like, okay, what am I doing now? What am I doing here? Like, am I really feeling it? Um, and I feel like that's been one of the more difficult decisions to make where I want to explore a lot of different places and then eventually settle back in India. At the same time, I feel like I want to be with the person that I love and um, another thing we were talking about is this idea of like being a fob, which stands for fresh off the boat. For those of you listening that don't know, kind of referring to someone who is grew up in India and is in the U.S. as like the fobs. How has that kind of been navigating for you in like the South Asian community in America? Um, it's been kind of interesting. So I feel like I've seen it, especially like I don't think people are rude enough to say that um, to you. Yeah, to your face. To your face, yeah. Um, but I do see, like, the word come up a lot in, like, some of the Desi groups on Facebook that we're part of. And I'm like, so what? I feel like the stereotypes that are associated with being a fob are like, oh, you're so conservative and you're super Indian. Um, you don't have westernized values um, or a western idea of the world. And to me, it just seems like, wow, that's a very, um, it's like a great way to paint everyone in a country with the same brush. Mm-hmm. It's like none of that is, especially like we're living in a globalized society. Um, I grew up in urban India. A lot of the shows that we watched were the same. A lot of, a lot of it was different, but there's a certain understanding of, I almost feel like there's a certain internalized racism to people that have a negative view of fobs because it's like, why why do you hate people who are from the country of your ethnicity? You know, like, so, let's attack that a little yeah. bit. So to speak to that as someone who was raised here, I primarily, I'm, I guess, quote unquote, more American and Indian than just like Indian. And this goes back to the idea of, our parents romanticizing India for what it used to be Mm. and 
in like growing up painting India as this super conservative, extremely religious, very kind of one-sided culture. And that, and that is the culture that our families have tried so hard to push on us being raised here in the U S as like, you're a girl, you can't go out by yourself. You can't dress a certain way. This is the religion we practice. This is the level of conservative that we are. This is, you know, these are all these expectations Mm -hmm. and, they carry that as a representation of what India was yeah. and to us is because, yeah. you, you know, we go back to India every few years and see how it's changing. But because our parents never acknowledge it, like in my head, mm-hmm. the way it was, like I always told my parents is I would never marry someone who was born and raised in India. Because like you said, the idea of a fob is they don't have the same values they don't have the same ideas as you. They're not westernized enough. Like, to me, I see someone, like, if my parents were to bring home a Indian guy for me to marry in any scenario, I would be like, he would seem more foreign to me than Michael does, who was raised in the U.S., mm-hmm. is American, and, you know, raised in a completely different household than I was. But Michael is less foreign to me mm-hmm. than the guy they would think from India that I should marry, right? And that same, almost like that same anxiety or fear that my parents had about Michael being like, oh, he's so foreign. He doesn't have the same values. He doesn't understand us is what I have from Indian guys from India. Yeah. And I can kind of, yeah, that's actually a really great way to put it where it's like, this is a completely different culture. I don't know what's happening. Um, but I think, like, you know, you've, you have this whole podcast about interracial relationships. And then there's also that aspect then of, that, of intercultural relationships and mm-hmm. how to make that work. Because it is a part of interracial relationships. But then you have this common ground, like you've said, about being raised in the same country. You've had similar experiences. And, like, there are definitely things that I have no idea, like, what it means, like, someone was asking about like what was your favorite lunchtime snack and I was like what the fuck is that (laughs) yeah like I I I like you didn't go to school having peanut butter and jelly no and like a Lunchables pack in your lunch bag yeah it was like you're saying all these words to me doesn't make sense I can't compute like yeah I used to get like idli dosa like dal everything in my lunch and that was what everyone else got and it was a very different experience and it's like I think those small things but again it comes back to um it's really about like breaking down those stereotypes that you Mm -hmm. have about people in your head um because I think like while there were a lot of things that were different about the way that I grew up one thing that's really funny to both Nora and me is how a lot of stuff was similar. Yeah. You know, like, um, I had a system of the down phase. Um, she had a system of a down phase too. We both, we both were listening to pretty much the same music at the same age, which I think is hilarious and also just shows you how small the world has become where you can like grow up. Yeah. continents apart and I have, have the same experiences yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and I have a lot of like queer immigrant friends who have that too you know where 
their experience growing up was different and and we have a lot of stuff that that makes us different and our understanding of the world different but there are so many things they were like wow I can't believe that it was exactly the same experience as you had yeah and that's actually when you say that it's something that I've only really come around to understanding now that I'm older because now that I'm not kind of being told like quote unquote what India is by my parents and like I went about five years ago I think and I was like oh this is not this is not what my parents said Mm -hmm. like my mom was like you need to like bring all these Indian clothes because in India they don't wear American clothes like you don't wear jeans you don't wear whatever I got there and my nieces and my cousins were like why are you wearing a salwar kameez or like a yeah you know churidar they're like just put some jeans on and like we're going to the mall and I'm like the mall what do you mean the mall they're like what do you think a mall is Disha <laughs> and I'm like I mean we have malls you know it was like yeah and it, it was a very it really was like a culture shock for me when I went back because I had this idea of what India okay. was based on what my parents said because I was very young when I came over yeah and when I was little, we would go back and I kind of just did what my parents wanted me to do and whatever. Yeah. But this was my first time going back as kind of like a, I guess, adult, like someone who can kind of have her own thoughts and really see what's happening in India. Um, and there's still some things like that I had a hard time adjusting with. Like, even when I went, they wouldn't let me go out by myself with all of my guy cousins. They were yeah. like, no, you can't. And that's where like things like that, I would like flip out about. I was like, I don't understand what the issue here is. Like, I'm a grown ass person. Like, why can't I go out? Like, they're all going out. Why can't like, I'm older than half of them. Like, and they were just like, yeah. no, you're a girl. You can't do that. And I was like, okay. Or like, cause yeah. there are definitely like some parts of my family live in the more rural parts. Some parts live yeah. in the city. And, but like, it was constantly adjusting to those customs. Like, with, you know, one part of my family, they're like, you can do, you can wear whatever you want. And then if we go to another part of the family, it was like, you can't wear tank tops, you can't wear shorts, you can't dress yeah. revealing in any way. And so I saw the change happening. But at the same time, I realized there are still parts where like this change is not happening. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's also, that's just the way that it works. You know, like you live in more urban areas, you're more exposed to other ways of being and other ways of interacting with the world and when you go to more like suburban or rural areas what drives you is the society and the community and which is usually like very tight and they have like the same way of interacting and I feel like you see that in India you see that in the U.S. right like I can be like super queer in Austin and go out with my girlfriend but I am not going to drive over to Lubbock and behave in the same way. It's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. Um, yeah, exactly. And so, like, I was never really exposed to the urban areas of India. Mm-hmm. Like, we would land in B- Mumbai and we would drive out. We yeah. didn't, like, hang out there. And then when I got older, like, my, I would kind of, now, I, like, with the internet and TV and stuff, they have all shows, like, four more shots or like yeah. shows that show like urban India being very much like New York and Austin and LA. And like, oh, like I, I remember distinctly watching an episode of one of these shows and I was like, are they just trying to be Americans or is this like a real thing? Like, do you, yeah. can you really, are there really bars and clubs and like girls can wear skirts and high heels and like, 
they'll do the things that I do here, but they're doing it in Bombay or Delhi or wherever. And it took me a while to understand, like, they're not trying to represent America. That's just what India is now. And my parents have just continually dismissed that idea. And then me realizing, like, you know, I have cousins that are my, my age in India. And it's like, oh, you guys, like, you guys date and you guys, like, go out and whatever. And it's like, we're not as different as I thought we were growing up. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I think it's exactly that, that like, it creates this stereotype of a fall. But at the same time, you know, like, we have stereotypes of like, what an ABCD is. You're like, oh, they don't understand anything. Like, they have no idea about what India is, like about our culture. And they're like, so Americanized that they, um, that they, that we couldn't even begin to have like, common understandings of the mm-hmm. world. Yeah, I think people are shocked. Yeah, people are shocked when I go to India that I like speak and understand Gujarati like fluently. And I go and shop owners will talk about me like I can't understand them. And then I respond and they're like, oh, you you can speak Gujarati. And I'm like, yes, like I'm still Indian, you know, like it doesn't. So, yeah, I understand that. Like they have the stereotypes of us like not knowing anything about Indian culture and stuff. And I'm like. No, we kind of just like have our own way of like doing it, but it's, yeah. 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 And I think it's exactly those same, like, it's the same fears that people have when you tell them that you're in a relationship with an American. They're like, but how can you be with someone who doesn't even understand who you are? And it's like, no one is with someone who doesn't understand who they are. Yeah. Like, Like whether you have to show them or like expose them to the culture everyone develops an understanding and it in a way it makes you better at understanding what parts of the culture you value and what parts of the culture you want to share with your partner and what parts you're like this was kind of like holding you back or this isn't something that you feel as connected to mm-hmm. so I think at exactly. least forces those conversations to happen yeah, and I think as, like, Indians in America, as someone who was raised here, like, we're still really grappling with that identity crisis of, like, who we are and, like, what are we willing to let go of and what are we willing to keep as part of our, like, Indian identity? And then the same thing on, like, the American side, like, which parts are we embracing? Which parts are we, like, leaving on the table and navigating that? Yeah. Because it is really complicated, Because, you know, you're raised in an Indian household, but then you also live in America. And then, like, for me now, being married to someone who, like, kind of like Nora, has, like, lived in the same place their whole life and hasn't moved in, like, you know, like, 28 years of Michael's life have been in the same house until we moved in together. And he moved about four miles from his house. (laughs) Yeah. Meanwhile, I grew up moving around constantly. Like, I recently did a background check form and they wanted me to list every address I've had for the last 28 years I'm not even 28 years old (laughs) and I literally had to text my mom be like I don't know where we've lived can you like send it to me and I think it was like eight or nine different addresses and that's not including like me moving away for school or moving away for work because those Mm -hmm. don't really like quote-unquote count because you're not on the lease whatever but I was like I get antsy and I'm constantly on the go and I'm constantly like what's next? Where can we go here? Let's move there. Let's do that. And 
for him, he sometimes struggles with, like, the idea of just, like, leaving everything behind to go somewhere new. Yeah. Whereas to me, I'm very comfortable with that idea. I'm just like, it's yeah. fine. We'll just keep going. It'll be fine. Yeah. And I think it does make a big difference, too, because I feel like because I've had a similar experience to you where I kept moving, I cultivated a very strong idea of, like, this is what matters to me. And I have, like, a small social circle that I rely on. Mm-hmm. And then I make friends, but I'm like... I feel like I haven't really been comfortable with them being super close to any of those friends who I feel like, okay, I'm not going to be able to talk to them anyway in like a couple of years when I move away. So I'm going to have my really small, really close-knit circle of friends. If I have like two more friends in this new place um, who really understand me and who get me, then that's okay. But I'm not trying to cultivate deep relationships with everybody around me because I feel like at any moment I could move and that relationship will then not be there. And also because I've seen that happen, right? Because so many relationships are just based on you're in this place together and you're discussing all of the things that you're doing there, but not on a deeper, um, like more soul level understanding. Mm-hmm. And like because I've seen that happen constantly and because I've had to adjust to that now I'm just like a little bit skeptical I feel like in my friendships and Nora has the exact opposite perspective where she's like let's go hang out with this person all the time and I'm like they don't even like make the effort and I'm not going to make the effort mm-hmm. for someone who doesn't make the effort you know it's, yeah I know as you get older it's like that friend list gets smaller and smaller and you just like pick and choose who's like worth it and then who you're like it's okay we can let this go and maybe we'll bump into each other again and that's okay but speaking of supportive friends and friends who are always there for you and you can count on as someone who is in the LGBTQ community how can we as like the friends of people who aren't in that community, like your straight friends, I guess, for lack of a better term, how can we be the supportive friends that like you guys need? Yeah, and I feel like that's an important question because I think some of my friends have managed to do that really well. And the friends that have done that really well, they have like two things in common, right? Like they don't treat you any differently, but they also understand that your experience is different. So mm-hmm. I think the friends that don't do that well either like flatten the difference completely. They're like, it's completely the same. You don't have any other different experiences at all. Um, I'm not even going to ask you about like how difficult it was when you um, when you introduced Nora to your mom, like how difficult it was when we were there and we had to constantly field questions from extended family about my marriage, you know, and we couldn't be open about that. Um, And it was just like this very aggressive, like, I want to be supportive. So I'm going to treat you exactly the same. Mm -hmm. They're like, it's almost like overcompensating by seeking too much common ground. Instead of just like acknowledging like that there are differences. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then, of course, there are friends who are just, like, who make everything about that, you know, who don't, who make everything about inflating the difference. Um, Whereas, really, it's, like, how you would interact with anyone who had a different experience to you 
growing up where you acknowledge that there are there's so much that we still have in common but at the same time being mindful and not being afraid to be mindful of those differences and exploring them with your friend especially if you want to have like if if you want to have a much deeper conversation about what that means and i think that just means being honest about the things that you don't understand and mm-hmm. and asking questions i guess yeah asking questions like being empathetic to it and being okay when some people you know when you don't want to answer those questions because i feel like especially when you're trying to be a good ally to trans people a lot of people ask very uncomfortable questions that are just not necessary like do you really need to know these things in order to be good friends with this person like yeah you need to know every small detail like do you ask your other friends about every small detail about their anatomy and if you don't then don't do that to your trans friends yeah exactly and just kind of like you know your friends and you know like whatever level of closeness you have with them mm-hmm. and like openness that pi- person might have like my my best friend Chelsea she's gay and she like she's one of my best friends so like to mm-hmm. me she's an open book like she has no problem when like you know I might ask her some like personal questions or like you know we live together and we we have the kind of relationship where like she's she loves like explaining like the lesbian spectrum of like sexuality and like all the different like categories I guess there are and like you know all those things are very specific subcultures like yes like she like if you're like butch and like I I mix it up and I mix (laughs) it up all the time but like she's one of my best friends so like yeah for me we have that relationship to just like kind of ask whatever you want but like she is still just like a person and she I just treat her like my friend that I would treat anybody like our friendship is not based on the fact that she is gay like Mm -hmm. she just happens to like girls you know and like I can make fun of that because that's the kind of friendship we have you know like when every now and then we'll like make that joke like oh yeah Chelsea likes girls like whatever but then there's like other people are like we're friends but like we have a different type of friendship and we don't have to like talk about the fact that like you're part of the LGBTQ community like we can just be friends yeah, and like, if it comes up, it does. And I think it's just like, like you said, understanding the level of comfort that you have. Because I have friends like that too. Like, um, what really close friend of mine is aggressively straight, is how I would put it. <laughs> She's just like, she doesn't understand at all. She's like, you know, very, very, um, very aggressively intense. straight aggressively straight yeah and so like when I came out to her she had all these questions and she and she's always been that type of person who does pose uncomfortable questions to you no matter what you are like mm-hmm. no matter who you're seeing like she'll just be like very like but can you tell me about this though <laughs> yeah and it's okay because like I love her for that um but at the same time it's it's when you start to notice someone being like absolutely treating you differently but and not being empathetic when they're doing it you know mm-hmm. when their whole demeanor towards you changes and and you're just like they're not comfortable with this at all and you yeah. can kind of sense it yeah. um, and I think sometimes that uncomfortable 
uncomfortableness stems from like just like not knowing how to like respond you yeah know? like if like like if your friend comes out to you like I was friends with Chelsea before she had come out like we went yeah. to school together and it's like what do you say when your friend tells you that they're gay and it's like that uncomfortableness isn't like lack of empathy it's just good we just don't know how to handle it it's like well do you say like oh that's so great and like overcompensate and be super positive about it or do you not say anything or do you just like okay or like and it's I feel like that becomes very subjective because it depends on who that person is yeah and I think you know like you said a lot of that discomfort comes from not knowing things and especially if someone is coming out to you for the first time and they're probably already awkward and uncomfortable with the idea of it then it doesn't like you know the best thing you can do is read up about that like we have the internet now you know just find things out like get over your discomfort because it's going to be easier for you to do it than to have to and I feel like Mira talked about this in a previous podcast that y'all did together but to have to like work through your own internalized homophobia I'd like to do all of that um self-reflection and growing it takes a long time for a lot of us queer kids um and the best thing you can do is ease them like make that process easier for them by reading up on it yourself and getting over your own hang-ups about it you know exactly it's like your you know your quote-unquote gay friends like had their whole life to like figure all that out before they came out like in those three seconds, you don't have to have it all figured out. Like you can, yeah, you can sort it out and like take your time and do your research and like, you know. And if you do have your friend that you can talk to, like I have Chelsea, like you can ask them all the questions you want, you know. Yeah. But like, it doesn't have to be like a whole thing. I guess I don't know how to describe it, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Because um, like then there's like I've had friends who just like kind of came out to me like in conversation and they'll just be like oh yeah like I'm gay or whatever and I was like oh okay and then we kind of just like keep going yeah because it's like that's fine like we don't have to make it a whole thing it's like Mm -hmm. I just didn't know that about you and now I do and like carrying on yeah yeah exactly (sighs) well that's it's been quite a while it has been yeah Um, it's been a super fun conversation, but I think we got to wrap it up a little bit. Um, any last words of wisdom for our listeners? I know we have a lot of LGBTQ listeners every now and then. Um, I, I don't feel like I'm even old enough to have that wisdom myself. Um, I was talking to Nora about doing this podcast this morning and she's like, yeah, it's a really interesting time in our relationship to be doing this podcast because we're still learning, you know, like I listened to Mira's podcast and I was like, wow, like she's been through so much more and we have so much, such a long journey ahead of us in terms of the things that we have to grapple with and to deal with. Um, But I will say that I think a lot of the stuff that we discussed today, um, it felt really worthwhile. And the best thing that you can do to even start those conversations is to begin at home. You know, like whether you're straight or queer or still figuring it out, 
you know, start that process of talking to folks in the community that you're a part of, because they're going to be the most open to it when they're within that safe space of community. And it can really help to pave the way and make it easier for queer daisies. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, where can people find you if they want to connect with you online? Um, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Surprising a Tiger. It's the best place to find me. And awesome. Yeah. Cool. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks, Nisha. Thanks for having this space to discuss. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of But What Will People Say? If you did, leave us a review on iTunes. It makes a world of a difference. It definitely helps us get exposed to more people. So the more reviews we get, the higher up we end up in the charts and the more listeners we can get in front of. So it really does make a difference. And you are more than welcome to find me on Instagram at Dishes by Dishes. I love hearing from you guys. I try to respond to everyone within like a decent amount of time. Um, I usually do get to you guys within a day. Um, Sometimes I check out just because I need like a break from the internet, but usually I'm on top of it. And I do love hearing from you guys. It keeps me so motivated. So do that. As always, you can find us on all major streaming platforms. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest, you can email me at bwwpspodcast at gmail.com. And I will see you guys next Tuesday. Bye.